Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Ray. Hello. And my co-host Robert. Hi. And we have a king-size crew because we've got a king-size thing to talk about. That would be Adepticon 2023 with, um, yep, yeah, okay, I was completely wrong. There's not a new version of Space Hulk coming out. So no other previews really to talk about. Nothing else really happened. Did you guys notice anything on the, the preview of, of no? Well, well, sir, sir, it may not be a new Space Hulk. It is something a lot larger than that. It's an Ark of Omen. No, it has two. It has two digits, and next to the word edition. Yeah. So tenth edition. Much to my surprise, I'll admit it. I was completely wrong. I am shocked that they announced it. And originally what I thought they were going to do is just give us the usual, here's a cool Necromunda bottle, here's something for Warcry, here's something for Age of Sigmar, and thank you and good night. And then they show like a trailer with no announcement, with no real, just like coming soon would be 10th edition. Nope, it, they just came out firing. We have a whole new cinematic, just like we did for 9th edition with lots of new units. We're not sure what they're going to be. Uh, they did unveil a couple questions, and then a few community articles did touch light on a few small subjects. And, of course, I went through the old rumors uh, that we've been using on the show and got a good laugh. So, <laughs> first impressions of 10th edition. What do you guys think? I will let Ray go first on this one, because I'm a chatterbox about this. So, I like that they are trying to simplify things. So, I think some of the some of the things that they, were tr- that they have... Um, set up the ninth, the current ninth edition as ended up being a step in the wrong direction in that regard. Some of what they talked about actually kind of made me think of sixth edition in some in some ways, which kind of made me laugh. And and, and it's that we're going to be seeing uh, universal special rules again, which weren't a bad thing. And then also getting rid of the um the psychic phase. So all the psychic abilities are going back out into phases. Yep. That is something that my my view on how this is turning out, they're effectively taking everything that Age of Sigmar did, that Horus Heresy is doing. They tested those there to see exactly how it worked out. I mean, Age of Sigmar had been doing it for a while where it's say, oh, everything hits on a different number. whoop de diddly do and not a lot of modifiers. But then Horse Heresy, they're bringing back reactions for some units, which is huge because you can have more interactive things like the Gaunts, for instance, just covering that data sheet right now. If you end a move within nine inch of a of a Termagant unit, they can either run away or run towards you. And that is pretty big because they only get six inches of movement, but that legitimately Let's the Tyranid player go, oh, you're trying to move this way to charge over here to get distance. I'm going to sacrifice the Termagants to hold you here and stuff like that. Yeah, I hope that's, uh, I hope that is a sign back to, instead of giving all these units a special thing in the stratagem section, putting them back just on the rules page. Well, it's the, it's the kind of thing, like I know several people have said this, where expect a book like World Eaters, because you yeah. even said it in our little private chats there, Ray where it's simple, two pages of rules, maybe one page of stratagem, and so on and so forth, and not a whole lot of extra meat, a whole, whole lot of fat there. So the 
the psychic powers though i really really hope that those are going kind of reined in because some of those psychic powers can get a little out of hand like for instance um if you layer stuff like oh they're in cover oh they ignore ballistic modifiers or a whole bunch of other crazy spells if if an army had access to that well you have to use them at the right time so if a psychic power goes off in the fight phase and you eat the librarian well you can't deny that psychic power anymore yeah uh and that's so between that and uh them talking about that and us moving back to indexes which get the indexes for free this time which is actually really nice i i could expect to see that a lot like Armies like Grey Knights and Thousand Suns, where there is a huge amount of psychers. In fact, almost every unit is a psyker. I could imagine that they're just going to give those units, like, you get Smite, and then you get this one spell, and that's what you get. And then move it to where, like, it's the characters only that have the, you know, the, the page or so of actual options to take, which could clean up the game. It's not going to feel quite so, you know, op, you know option based but you spend less time trying to figure out okay well i can use this unit to cast it do i want to use that squad to cast that yeah and plus also the the fact that a lot of armies they could go oh we have this thing that lets my psyker perform a psychic action and perform psychic powers naturally that nuance is now removed if it's like oh you perform this psychic action during this phase and we also have this psychic ability that happens during this other phase so it's no longer a you do this one thing, you lose all your psychic powers. It could potentially be you do the action during this phase and you get full access to your psychic powers because it doesn't apply for that phase. Well, I'm going to take a second to point out the fact that at this point, we don't know if psychic actions are going to be a thing in 10. Again, there's yeah. a lot of possibilities because we don't know yeah. anything else about it. <laughs> what we do know is they are going to have somewhat streamlined data slates or rules pages that could effectively be on cards, which is something that AOS does, albeit in a limited fashion. If they're going to do that with 40k, I hope it is not limited because that's annoying. Kind of like how they used to do it with their second cards. That being said, the uh, some of the changes that they've done, I think, are really smart. They've moved the ballistic skill and weapon skill to the weapons themselves, whether it's a, a gun or you know, a melee weapon. They've the strength. To those profiles as well which again i think is a smart thing because it's what now instead of having something that could say a weapon profile of strength plus two they'll just give you okay the strength is six and up at the top the only thing you're going to have is the toughness yeah i know that this weekend i had taught a handful of newer players the basics of 40k regardless of what edition it is either eighth ninth or tenth because I have no idea how to do 7th edition, although One Brave Soul was also learning the heresy, which may he may he have success in his ventures. The but there was one guy who got hung up on the on the to wound chart. Like he understood the the how to do the to hit roll and he had a kind of understanding of how an armor saved work and Every single one of his turns, I had to re-explain why something that is strength five was wounding something that was toughness four on threes. Okay, so an interesting thing is I consider the current way of strength to toughness a fairly simple thing, especially considering I started in sixth edition where there was a full-blown table that you either knew by heart or you had a 
like a little cutout to keep it on because hey, you're you're you've got a gun that's strength five. Well, there's a point where you can't actually wound anything anymore. So the idea of okay, everything's going to be gauged off. Uh, okay, it's if it's if this is more than, then you better. If it's worse than, a little worse. If you're double or half, you have a really good either a really good chance of hitting or a really bad chance of hitting. So the whole two plus, three plus, four plus, five plus is really actually really good in my opinion. Yeah, and he he got the grasp of it after maybe two or three turns, but it was still just a. I can understand that some people it's like, well, what about this? And they're looking at a whole bunch of other numbers, and I go just listen to what i'm saying it's this and this and then there's this yeah so it, he he understood it and he got to actually play a demo game so i was like okay this isn't that bad and yeah i'm just excited for a new edition it's new stuff for me to learn i'm not gonna sit here and have to go well there's this and this and that about this list. So I, I instantly lose into this army. I need this thing for this kind of gameplay. It's going to the objective control number that they added to the data. Yes. That is going to be fun because it's going to go back to the days of how many bodies do I have on here? I have this many. How many bodies do you have on here? It says you have this many. Okay. I hold the objective because objective secure no longer exists. In 10th edition, at least so far. I figured the night player would be excited about that. (laughs) I'm biased. So, yes, they've done that. Um, The question I have, and and maybe you caught it, and maybe they said it and you caught it and I didn't, is the object here, or the OC number, is that basically each model you have holding the objective is worth that, that, that number? Or is it the squad itself is worth that number, regardless of how many models you have on them? Well, catching the actual stream, when they talked about it, the person who was talking did specifically say that the the OC is the number of models that every single... is the number of bodies that every single model in that unit counts as. So, in this case, if it was like a unit of Primaris Marines, and they count as two bodies, and all five of them are on the objective... You have ten bodies on the objective. Also, Eric's not gonna like this. I could potentially have toughness eleven models. That's not true. I think because we had talked about this before. If you want to go back to fourth and fifth edition when they had armor values, okay. A land raider was AV fourteen. A las cannon is strength nine. So under the old system, a las cannon had to roll a five to glance and a six to penetrate. So basically what you're saying is it even wounded AV-14 on sixes. Under the new system, does that mean it should have been toughness at least 16, if not 18? So it's forcing sixes to wound, depending on what you want, fives and sixes to wound. So yeah, I never understood why the toughness values didn't go up, but the strength values did. You had strength 16 all, all over the place. So, no, I think it's a great idea. Well, I'm just talking about your poison weapons. Oh, well, it's vehicle. I don't care. <laughs> I'm still wounding on sixes if you're toughest too. So, if, as long as you have a vehicle keyword, I'm, I'm, I'm hosed. But, um, no, I, I do think that was something that needed to be done. I, I would have taken it to another extreme. Uh, we'll see if they do it. But um, I'd rather see them reduce the number of wounds and have abilities like... Um, vehicles automatically half all damage coming in unless you're being attacked with a weapon of strength 7 or higher. 
So you, yes, I've got 1,100 las guns. I'm still not going to kill a knight. I'm eventually going to have to bring an anti-tank weapon. Yeah, I, that that is one thing. I'm as someone who ha- has a knight army, I'm kind of glad of. Is this this edition has really felt like the knight army is was kind of put in a position where they were very easy to kill compared to what they were. Yeah, I. I know that firsthand because as on the last episode, I talked about my guard game against that wonderful opponent. My Desecrator blew up a Rogaldorn and then he immediately died to a Rogaldorn when that shouldn't really happen. Like the Rogaldorn only had maybe one gun that could actually scare me. Everything else just, well, that sucks. I mean, I remember when Knights first came out and that was always the concern was if you don't have a plan against Knights, you was auto lose. And there was certainly certain armies that you just didn't have enough choices to take them out and that was kind of frustrating especially when they came out that god awful adamantium lance formation but i think they swung i think the balance swung too far the other way yeah this is supposed to be yeah. you know the god engine in it well not really it's more like a priest engine it's dying pretty quick so yeah it's overall just a a kind of thing of i i'm excited for higher toughness vehicles i'm excited for different ways of controlling an objective because we're going back to indexes i have a feeling that unless there's actually a whole bunch of rules that say vehicles do x thing we're probably gonna go back to a horde meta but that's just me speculating with how things sounded when seventh went to eighth edition and it was just here's like 120 boys have fun so i think even though we're going back to indexes that this is going to be different and i'm not just talking about the fact that rules it with them talking, it sounded like that we were still going to have like army special rules for the factions. Whereas in the eighth edition indexes, it was about as bland as you could get. I mean, your army had the special rules that the units had, and that was it. Yeah, I get that, and it they did say that the the new indexes will obviously have access to the universal special rules that exist, stuff like feel no pains and everything else like that. To keep things streamlined. So I think we're going to lose most army special abilities again. And then after that, they're going quick release, hopefully quickly release codex into <laughs> the into the game. So that way armies can have special rules again. And we get to see exactly how bad Tyranids take additionitis. Well, I mean, they made, they made mention of each of the armies having one to two pages of special rules. Um, which made it sound like that those were going to be coming with the indexes. Whereas, yes, we will have the first two codexes of 10th edition being Space Marines and Tyranids. As far as how fast the codexes come out, I mean, depending on supply chain, it's not going to be too different than what we've seen this post-code. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that can come from that. And I'm just, I'm just hopeful that by the time that 10th edition rolls around, one, Ray can exist to an... Okay, Ray can exist next to a table again. Since <laughs> how many years has it been since you played? <laughs> um, if we're only talking tournaments, it's been f- about five months. Oh, that was totally a joke of like, Ray, I've never seen you at a table. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eric can come back and play at tables as well, because he, I know he got to play a game or two at Scorched Earth Open as a ringer, because some people dropped out and one guy had an odd number, so... He actually got to play for a little bit. It would be really nice if someone else would take over the reins of head judging a lot of these larger tournaments so that Eric... 
It's going to be a long time before I become a player again, but yes, it would be nice. But um, I, I am excited about this two pages. You know, your entire team, your entire army fits on two pages. Like, I've been trying to do that on my spreadsheets, like by that big offensive coordinator clipboard that I have. And that'd be really cool. I I am, I hear you, Ray. Yeah, those old indexes, don't, they were, man, they were a bland vanilla. Oh my God, they were, you got the game going, but it was like, and then that was, it wasn't so much they were so bland. It was that when a codex came out, they were just miles ahead of you because they had all the stratagems, warlord traits, relics, upgraded units, and you're just like, um, I can interrupt or I can reroll. Yay! But it seems like there isn't going to be adding that much more to the codex, from the codex to the index, so it may not be as have and have not as it was in the beginning of 8th. Oh, I don't expect that at all. Um, so much like what we saw with World Eaters, what we're gonna, I expect what we'll see is, like, a pay, at most a page of stratagems and another page which has the kind of the special rules that that army is going to have an example is for necrons it would probably cover things like uh, reanimation protocols if they still have the um i don't know why it's slipping my mind the character version where they get the wounds back Both yeah the living like, metal yeah that thank you living metal um some of that in, in, in the case of an army that has psychic abilities there might be some i i Honestly, I don't think that we're going to have anywhere near as many. Like, Thousand Suns had, like, 27, I think it was, uh, different psychic spells. I don't expect them to have anywhere near as much, for example. Maybe maybe the, the, I could see them going back down to six. And it's just kind of an example. So, like, you're going to see one or two pages, and then possibly when the Codex comes out, they might get a couple. Um, but I don't think in any regard we're going to see as much for any army as we did for in their ninth edition codexes like i know for my armies that i have like obviously chaos knights have dread which is their big special rule and then the demon versus iconoclast households so that's two special three not including the the titanic rules that apply to the big guys and custodes have stuff i am i i really think i'm just excited for a new edition because of the fact that it's something for me to actually be passionate about learning again because learning ninth edition it basically got figured out like there's this there's that there's this there's that and it became stagnant of like what army was great until a balance sheet came out right now guard mathematically is the dominating army because yeah they're guard and i mean we kind of see that around the end of an edition too this stagnation i mean i saw it at the end of i've seen i'm seeing it now I saw it at the end of 8th. I really saw it at the end of 7th. In fact, um, if I remember right, it was at the end of 7th where it got so stagnated that there were people in our group, in our play group that jumped over to AOS just for something different. So, before I continue rambling, Eric, I'm pretty sure you have words. <laughs> you guys have touched on a lot of the things I had in mind. Um, back to the World Eater example, one of the things I am a little concerned, but I think I'll roll with it, is the idea is, okay, I will play, for example, the World Eaters. If I play World Eaters, these are your eight stratagems. But if you play Disciple of the Red Angel, you don't. it's not this over-stacking thing, which is kind of cool compared to where it's gotten. 
So for example, if I play Space Marines and then I have the, a supplement, well, I get everything the Space Marines books has plus everything in my supplement. And then like um, a campaign book comes out. So I get those four things on top. Then it becomes this giant rules bloat. So moving forward, it seems like if you're going to play this, this is your rules and everything else is null and void. I think it's healthy for the game. Um, I'm a little concerned about my faction. So I, you know, with Trukari, the first thing I think of is we're simplified, not simple. So does that mean I'm losing show stealers and uh, all the upgraded characters? Because those are essential as well as like Blood Brides and uh, Trueborn. Uh, that sounds like those could go away. The idea that I have a real space raid that has Cabal the Blackheart and Cult of Strife and uh, Dark Creed, which plays completely different than if I had Obsidian Rose, uh, a custom, you know, uh, test of skill with, um, I forgot that, with Testy Killers, I forgot that the other. But, but, but you can mix and match, and I have a feeling those are all going to go away. And that's, mm-hmm. that makes me sad. So, But I don't know that for sure, so we'll see what happens. So just one of those, I, I, I want it all now. I'm excited for the new edition. I think overall I'll make the game better, but there's definitely a few outliers that I, I think are going to get hosed. And I have a feeling I'm one of them. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I yeah. Seem, go ahead. Sorry. sorry, I seem to remember on one of the around the um, transition of one of the editions that they actually would do articles on each of the factions, kind of explaining what we could expect in the future. I hope that they do something like that in the coming weeks as we get closer to the beginning of 10th edition so that we kind of can prepare. Like, I'm one of those people. I have t- tons of armies. I don't know which one I want to start the edition with, but if they do an article for each of the factions, I can read up and say, okay, it seems to me that maybe I should start with this uh, the edition and kind of work my way. Maybe I'll decide this is where I want to go or no, I kind of want to feel one of get the first. Yeah, that one, I, I can feel both for Eric and general people that lose out on special units. And actually, I I kind of got lost in your question there because I was stuck on Eric's thing. Can you repeat that one more time, Ray? Professional podcasting. So it, there wasn't really much of a question. It's um, more of a, like, you know, we don't know what we're, we don't know what to expect, you know. Drakari, we have to. Are the Drakari going to get blended into uh, just one faction again, as opposed to the three mini factions that you can kind of mix and match? Yeah. So that kind of thing. I know that's part of the Drakari personality is being able to do your your witches, your covens, and your cabals and everything else. And I'm pretty sure they're going to try their best to retain that because that's part of their identity. The the thing I do worry about is that, well, rules like Power of Pain, that was super creative because that was toolboxing. You could build your units however you wanted. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that um, Power from Pain is going to be turned into just a universal rule, well, a Drukhari rule that says everyone's this, everyone's that. And there's no flavor on like turn by turn thing. It's just, nope, you're this. And it's going to make it really, really dull. I think we could still see special rules for a turn-by-turn kind of basis. I I think the big worry, though, is that you'll start, instead of seeing the witches having these, you know, these sub-factions, the Cablites having those, 
sub-factions. The worry is that the sub if there are any sub-factions, it's just going to be kind of, these are the sub-factions, it doesn't matter if you're playing Cabalites or Witches or Homunculi Covens, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's what a lot of Drukhari players... Yeah, I mean, in general, army special rules are what makes their army have a personality. And the fact that we're going to indexes and we're going to keep at least one of them, let's hope it's your favorite. That, that's going to be my final say on that because I could ramble about my predictions for 10th edition. But that's basically a wish list. And we don't do wish lists around here. <laughs> or at least I try not to because that's a really long wish list. Speaking of which, yeah, other things that we saw. Um, good news is, yeah, it's coming up for free. There is going to be a digital version of all these indexes. And you can still buy them if you really need to have something physical. So that's kind of cool as well. Uh, interesting, they did on the stream mentioned the app is being changed and it actually works which i thought was kind of a hilarious way to decide to hype it <laughs> but um i'm excited to find out what the app has to bring and mm-hmm. um i don't think the app is that bad i think a lot of people give it a lot of negativity yes the list building function is riddled with errors but the looking up rules and having quick access to army special rules is invaluable on a on a digital format so i i enjoyed that part of it yeah i hope it is a lot of what we saw in the edition the app that we've got now i hope i hope that they are correct and then saying that it works and that basically because the current one has had there are issues that have popped up that they never once fixed some of them annoyingly so that I tried to get fixed constantly. The best example of that on Army I play being Thousand Sons. They put the one of the special rules they put in the fluff for the different cults, but not once did they ever put the actual rules for their cults in. Hmm. Yeah, that's a big whoops daisy. So overall, now I'm excited. Um, it's, it's getting new players to the game quicker, making the games a little faster. Um, interesting, uh, the vehicle and monster de- degradation that's still staying, but it's going to be simplified, a little easier to follow. That sounds like it'll be exciting. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So... They're from reddukegames.com, and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So... If you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the 
foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. All this is all pretty cool. But like I said, I'm don't want to speculate. There's a lot of things to, to speculate on, and a lot of it becomes wish listing at that point. I do think it's hilarious some of the rumors that had came out earlier. This that like the advantage disadvantage system doesn't seem to be there. Toughness uh, vanishing, not being used at all. I think there probably was a playtest copy that tried that out, but looks like they kept it in the game. Yeah, because if you didn't have a some kind of way to determine how strong or tough something was, you would run into effectively an AOS problem where it's a, I hit you on threes and I wound everything on three because my rules say so. Either that or you have to make it where almost every needs like fives and sixes to win. And has low AP value. We are getting that anyway. Yes, that's another thing that is going, that is becoming apparent is a lot. They're going to reduce the AP value, so no more mass AP4 or AP3 guns in your army. Which is actually a good thing. Yeah, it'll make vehicles tough again. Yay! Again, just rattling on because I'm a night player. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not quite as optimistic as you guys are, because I wanted to hear what these new terrain rules are. I have a feeling that they they've they keep mentioning that cover has a bigger influence on the game now, and that's where I'm like, are we going back to the old days of you get an invulnerable save when you're in woods? I, I that's I want to see what those look like before I start proclaiming AP is dead. Well, it's not that AP is dead; it's still it's just not as high. Like there's no AP. Like I said, there's no mass multi melts in your army unless you pay the points to bring them. But they well, they think- said that. Overall, the AP value is going to be a lot lower. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a slippery slope with AP where it started getting to the point where some armies was just like, my whole army has AP3. No, we're turning that down. All all those AP3s, most of them are now AP1s, if that some of the weapons might still keep their AP because they're LAS guns, or LAS cannons, excuse me. Well, they did show off one data slate, and, you know, like I said, you guys mentioned earlier, they, they changed the layout. I definitely agree the user interface of the game needed a much needed overhaul. And I think they addressed pretty much all of it on that data slate. It was really good to see, but it's interesting when I finally said, well, I don't know what termagants really do. So I like got their old profile. The only thing that really changed is I think one of their guns went from AP minus one AP zero, everything else, the number of attacks, number of shots, what to hit strength is all pretty much the same. So mm-hmm. I was kind of encouraged to see that, okay, my army isn't going to be radically different from day one yeah i think the 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 example that they gave was decent and it was an example but it was also an example of an of a unit that is very simple termagants are very simple you have three different weapon options the big question that i saw don mention was well what about a unit whose page is a lot more convoluted when it comes to weapon choices like like marines where they have a large amount of weapon options. Are, are they going to put every single weapon 
on it. How big is that going to look? How full is that page going to be? Hmm. Yeah, that one. So like another unit that's prone to that is actually something like the Custodian Wardens where you can kill a Custodian Warden with either a sword and shield or a spear or an axe. Sure, they don't get access to some of the Forge World bits, but that's still three different weapon profiles that exist on a single data sheet plus the Misericordia along with the field opinion rule, the invulnerable save rule, the the custodes hold objectives rule. It gets bloated really. I'm talking about it would just by the looks of it, it would just be bloated just from. Well, yeah, that's it's mine is a less drastic form of something like plague marines or like heck even normal terminators, which are getting new models by the way. Yeah, the uh, yeah. that's another fun thing we can cover is the incoming ambiguity of some models space marines because the terminators aren't they're not really going to be firstborn they're not really gonna they're not primaris they've come out and said that yeah that one i've kind of lived down that argument which is like they're terminators bro they got two up armor saves and five up involves what else do you want the the, <laughs> the the question comes from things like transports now we have transports that say you can't take primaris but now we're starting to move into things where it's like we're starting to see a gray area, and I think it could potentially be a good thing. It could be that they're going to move away from the idea of where these mo- these models absolutely cannot take Primaris. I think we're going to start seeing it. Things like <clears throat> drop pods can start taking Primaris models. They might count for multiple u- models, but maybe you can start dropping down intercessors in a drop pod in the near future. But, I mean, that's again, that's all potential conjecture of what we would want Terminators to do and what they should do and maybe they'll put those in the in the thing anyway and we can <laughs> definitely move on to another subject because <laughs> we can talk about that all night if we wanted so um hey we got a new primark <laughs> meow <laughs> meow i'm a cat did you see the little video clip with the lion that was just like lounging before the show before they actually did no that sounds pretty funny though I saw that, and I'm like, okay, this is a, this is airing. If they aren't going to show off the lion, then they are really trolling us. Of course they did. And lo and behold, it's a Lannister. Well, I mean, overall, it's the lion model is probably, probably better well done than Gilliman. Because I know Gilliman is, he went over, he went through the Rubicon, so he has a Primaris body, and he's carrying around Dad's sword, and apparently the lion is carrying around Dad's shield. So, okay, whoop de doo you have the sword and the shield of the Imperium. What if you get to play both of them in the army? Nope, it's Arx of Omen, you don't get to do that. <laughs> I, so, I mean, you couldn't before, because you could only take one Supreme Commander, they are both going to be Supreme Commanders. Yeah, it's more of the joke of, like, you have the sword and the shield of the Emperor. Hey, you got Dad. Wait a minute, where is he? But, no, it's he is a really beautiful model. And the fact that he has four different head options, you aren't going to see the same line twice unless someone literally hires a commission. I I honestly think when it comes to unique characters, he might have the most most head options. Magnus had three head options. Gilliman has two. And I... think outside of that pretty much every time you have a a unique character they generally either have only have one or maybe two head options yeah and sometimes that's for the better because i know like for my custodians you have either the cone head helmets or 
not armored helmets. Yeah. I have no idea how many different heads Jukari has for their characters. None. Just that's yeah. so, Most yeah, of the Jukari ca- uh, characters are static. I think the same can be said for Craft World as well. So I think that's just a marine bias. Yeah. I think the Autark may have multiple options. But that's about it. But then, yeah, the Farseers, that's actually the problem, is depending on what head you put on. You may think, oh, this head looks great. My Farseer looks awesome. And then you bring it to the table. Okay. What spells does your Warlock have? Oops. <laughs> um, put the wrong head on the guy. So <laughs> mm-hmm. just downgraded on my 60 points. Uh, so, no, yeah, there's. It's, I like the extra options, but um, yeah, I'm a little jealous about certain factions get better models than we do. Yeah, I am curious of the four head options, which one is your Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, the hood with the armored face. Agreed. See, I am a custodian. I like ostentatious. I am going with the wings all the way because that face <laughs> is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and see, Lion has an upgrade. He doesn't have a tactical rock. He has a tactical skeleton. which he is coming out with the last book of the arcs of omen which surprised me a little bit that they did five books for this narrative bit instead of just the three or the two like they did for the other ones so we knew it was going to be four for sure yeah yeah yeah, no well yeah uh at the same time i'd been hearing like from the start that oh no there's going to be a fifth it's going to be the line it's going to be the fifth and so I got to the point where I just kind of accepted that that was gonna. So for me, it was kind of like, oh yeah, no, this was gonna, this was gonna be the case. And really, considering that they're they've been putting the rules for the factions in the books, it, it also made sense because like, oh well, wait, you haven't put all the factions in the books yet. So it's it's just nice to I, I, honestly, out of all the arcs of own books, I think Farsight is the only one that got me a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, hey, we finally made the plastic Farsight. Oh, throw them in a book. Yeah. Still use all of his old rules. Just give him a new model. <laughs> well, I mean, if they knew that they, it was going to come out this close to ninth edition, then that's probably just like, well, we'll save the new rules for the next edition. Yeah, that's, that's the way I think most things are going to go, is they weren't going to introduce that many new rules to us, unless it was like a brand, brand new model. Yeah. But, I mean, we, we got sure. the most important model. We got Angron. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of new models, uh, the video, just like the one in 8th edition, had a few new-looking units. Any ideas what those could be? I have at least one theory, wow. and that is um, we see a new... On the Tyranid side, we see a new brain bug that looks almost like a giant neurothrow that has two little vanguards next to it, and I think it might be a new Doom of Malentai. Yeah, I have no idea what that bug is, but he is just a big bug to me. So... Looking it over, the like there's a when the fly I thought it was a flying hive tyrant comes down and picks up the the space marine and you know tosses him aside. I kind of figured that was just a flying hive tyrant, but no, it's not a flying hive tyrant because it has scything talent and normal feet. So I think that that is the return of a unit that hasn't been around since like. I think it was the 5th edition codex, or it might not have even actually been 5th and no. It was a so, so old that the, it was a soft uh, cover, not a hard cover. It, then the unit was called Shrikes. 
They were basically Tyranid warriors with wings. Yeah, I remember hearing about those once or twice from some older players, and I'm like, yeah, that'd be terrifying, having three wound models fly 12 inches. Oh, wait a minute, those are Raveners. <laughs> <laughs> Raveners with wings, oh god. I haven't played against Shrakes in so long. The last time I played them, like, oh, they're T4, right? I hit them with strength 8, instant death, which was a rule if you're tough, if your strength was more than du double or more than double the model's toughness if you took a wound mm -hmm. you lose all your wounds i'm gonna say right now i hope that that rule never comes back that was the stupidest rule ever <laughs> so dumb well yeah then at that point i would legitimately look at people and go oh you're only toughness four hi my knight sweeps you with his chainsword this is 12 attacks that hits on twos and his instant death if you fail to save <laughs> exactly that's ex so dumb so dumb so. so the the brain bug i do want to touch on that a little bit because it was floating next to some normal zone throats which like ray had mentioned looks like a potentially an upgraded neurothrope because i know the one of the rumors was floating around like an alpha like some kind of alpha tier in it or something hmm. so maybe the alpha thing isn't so much a new data sheet. It's a a potential kind of like a chapter master upgrade where you have a neurothrope pay extra points to turn him into an alpha neuro. It's possible. It does look like a, a very different model. So I'm like, hmm, how are they going to do this? But um, I'm not sure if I, I, I get where Bray's going with is it's an upgraded brain bug. I'm not ready to bite on the Doom of Malatai. I still think that the lawsuit from Chapter House is, stings too hard at this point. I think the Doom of Malatai will remain a lore subject and nothing more again. Well, yeah, I mean, you see that, but at the same time, we've got the the uh, Parasite. Of Mortrex, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got the the Exocrin, which was originally, what was that company that made that originally? Armor something? Armorcast. Yeah, but they were at least under contract with. with right, but it's an example of you know here's something that's you know, GW didn't produce it; somebody else did. Yeah, yeah. For those of you guys who are really you know just going way back in history, this was uh, Games Workshop couldn't didn't have all have Forge World yet, so they licensed a company called Armorcast, which is still in business by the way, to do several um, models, usually on the larger scale. So, for example, the original Eldar Falcon came from Armorcast. A lot of the, the Exocrine, there was another Tyranid monster from that range as well. Some really cool stuff, as well as some of the original Eldar uh, Titans. There was like a, what, what now would be considered a Wraith Knight. And right around, I want to say it was 4th edition, not only did they sever ties with that company, but they purposely changed the look of the Falcon and um, some of the other models. So even if you had one of those armor cast models, you couldn't use it because it didn't look mm -hmm. anything like the bottle on the table. Yeah. Yep. The the other thing that I do want to touch on in the at the very start of the movie, you you watch these Marines take on this one four armed bug. And I was like, Oh, that's a new bug. And then I, I jogged my memory. He's like, no, that's the old Karn effect. Yeah. And that's another thing I kind of want to mention is it seems like now, there've been a bunch of rumors that there's going to be a new Karn effects. And if that's true, and it looks like what we see in this video, it's just further proof that GW is going through a, I mean, I got a kick out of the fact that the space Marine, that the new fancy like Phobos, 
team with the flamer and whatnot stomped out the old Carnifex. Like it was a symbol of like, nah, nah, that model's dead. Get it away from us. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a new Space Marine team. I was kind of looking at that. I was like, that I don't remember seeing that, but I just don't couldn't remember if that was a something that people didn't use on the table. Yeah, no, it's I know the Black Templars, when they got their box, were the first ones to introduce like newer Primaris sculpts with their guys that could carry around the Flamers mm-hmm. in their mixed units. Yeah. And there was some potential of giving stuff like Phobos teams different weapon arrays so that way they could be applied differently, kind of like a like a kill team or something like that. Hey, insert game here. Yeah, and it just kind of goes back to like something I've, I don't think I've said on a podcast, but it's something I've I've said to people is... In a way, looking at all the primary stuff, it really kind of goes back to what we see in the Horus Heresy game, which is anytime you have a, a unit, they all kind of focus around having one weapon. Now, you might have a little bit of leeway in that with like a specialized version of the weapon, but when it comes to primaries, generally speaking, they all have the same weapon. You have mm-hmm. Hellblasters, they're all plasma guns. There's three different versions, but they're all plasma guns. You have Eradicators, all one gun. Intercessors are all bolt rifles, which is what the Tac Marines are like in Horus Heresy. Well, in Horus Heresy, they also have a, what's called a, a tactical support squad. And we see mm-hmm. kind of like a variation of that here, where one of the, the base version of the tactical support squad in Horus Heresy is a squad full of flamers. And we're seeing that with this squad that we see in the commercial. Yeah, there's. I kind of understand that the way that they also talked about it was the models that you get out of the box for the new combat patrol play style that they had talked about. That's what you play as. Like, there's no changing weapons or anything else. It's, nope, that's what you come with and whatnot. And bada bing, bada boo, go ahead and start playing a game. Right, but I'm not that big here. Well, it, the, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because... Okay, if everything has the same weapon, then there's no variety until you buy the individual box itself. Right, to, right. But what I'm what saying is, when it comes when you primaris marines, when you have a unit, they all have the same weapon, with the exception of maybe one guy that has a variation. Well, that's that actually does tie into what I was talking about with the combat patrol, because the combat patrol it doesn't usually give you the instructions to build out an optional weapon unless. They do nowadays because I haven't bought one in a while. It's only once you buy the standalone box do you get the options to build the other weapon. So out of the combat patrol boxes, you're stuck with the same weapon every single time. Um. So no, the combat patrol boxes are you get the actual build instructions. So so if you can have like each each of five, if you have five guys in unit, they can each have something different. The instructions are there. Well, what you either way, of might be something more along the lines of a kill team, where it's like, okay, you want to build this guy like this, that guy like that, and that's yeah. Again, this is another topic that we can just ravel on for forever because <laughs> it's hypotheticals and everything else for tenth edition. So we don't know exactly what they have in store for us for all of that. Well, there is one thing you can trust: we will let you know when we find out. Indeed. So more stuff to come out. We're, it looks like we're going to get dribs and drabs over the next few months. Uh, exactly when this. Uh, will be coming out like we knew of a rumored release date of june uh, i believe it was 23rd that has not been announced so we're still not sure if that's still in case but um yeah we're looking at a good <laughs> eight weeks of r- ramp up uh probably the biggest disappointment i'd say of the reveal no james workshop i was so mad <laughs> well he's only around in the holiday season 
he was actually at the last one too. He did a lot of the eighth edition, um, ninth edition uh, hype wagon. But maybe he'll come back later. But I was I so excited. That, you're probably right. <laughs> we'll see. See, it's it's still going to be James Workshop, but it's going to be James Junior because they're going to retire <laughs> James Senior. Yeah, he was I don't know, something about him. I think it's absolutely funny. Oh, it's it's still going to be the same actor and everything. They're just going to give him a different <laughs> hairstyle and no beard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, up, though. but anyway, so that, that was pretty cool. Um, uh, trying to think, if there was anything else from? Yeah, new. Yeah, the new models look intriguing. Just curious to see what else comes out. There's so, yeah more questions and answers at this point, but a um, lot more reveals to come. But there was also, a, believe it or not, at Adepticon, there was actually like a little tournament that happened there as well. Yes, yes, there was. Um, there was actually two. There, <laughs> there was the singles event, which is like not such a big deal to Adepticon. And then there was the teams tournament, which apparently is like the biggest thing ever for Adepticon. I haven't been there, so I'm a little biased. Yeah, the team, the team competition is because it's more than just. It, it's not just oh, is this like ATC North? No, it is. Uh, you need themed armies. Your um, your display board has to has to have your entire team fit on the display board as a universal theme. Uh, there's costuming involved. It is a big event. Yeah, I know our Smite Club captain, Mike Matt Baugh, is a big proponent of Adepticon, and he shows pictures all the time of the Adepticon boards and. The thing that gets me about that is people take display boards, they pack up their army, and then they don't take the display board home because it's too much of a hassle to ship it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So some of those armies are probably definitely gorgeous, and I am very jealous because my display board that I'm going to do is probably going to be awesome, but it's not going to be nearly as awesome as some people can do, like Castle Grayskull that I've seen before. It's like, bro... This thing is six feet tall. You overdid it. <laughs> There's no such thing as overdoing it for Adepticon. In some days, so yeah, they're like literally they have to be assembled when they get there. It's pretty amazing. So. Yeah. So to cover the the top five of the Adepticon champs, so the singles event, we have Ben Sherwin coming in fifth place with Black Templars of all things. Interesting. Okay. That's a lot of impulsors. <laughs> <laughs> And then in fourth place, we have Thomas Ogden with, surprise, surprise, for me at least, Imperial Guard. The the, the Tau Man jumped over to another army, and it made me really sad. It's still a very shooty army, but it's still, yeah, I'm like, come on, dude, you know? Well, looking at this, it's like a whole bunch of Tempestus, it's a couple, a solid amount of three Lehman Russes, a whole bunch of Mortar Team, some Sentinels, Casterkins. He has Rattlings! <laughs> Interesting, okay. I mean, they're they're rattlings. They're fifty points. <laughs> he probably was like, eh, "I need something." Then a whole bunch of Cadians, and then two more tanks, and then the Cadian command squad. No, no stupid guy on a horse. In third place, we have Nick Rose with Gene Sealer Cult. That's right. He's been a long time Gene Sealer Cult fan, and they're now back on the S tier, as a lot of people think, with uh, Arcs of Omen. So, not a surprise that he. Uh made this a uh, big splash at it and actually adepticon is one of his better events so so looking at this list i think this is the exact same list if if not exactly the same close to that i played at rocky mountain open this list sucked <laughs> like really really bad 
It sucked that it wasn't a good list, or sucked to play against. Oh, oh no, it sucked to play into. This was my round four, my round five game where I just got trounced. And then second place we have Arn Zernt playing Votan. Votan. Uh, yep. But every competitive podcast I've listened to says that Votan is terrible. <laughs> well, looking at his list, it's laid out a little differently. He's playing Greater Thurian League. So not Ymir. No, Greater Thurian League, it, it is a popular choice along with Ymir. Ymir kind yeah. of outshadows Th- Greater Thurian in many regards because of that invuln. That being said, <laughs> I, I was looking at the list just a second ago, and it looks like what he basically goes off of is the fact that being Greater Thurian is everything counts for twice as many unit uh, models for holding mm-hmm. objectives. And it is a lot of, like... Low count units, so five man squads, three man squads. Yeah, it's the the shorthand of it is he is a man after my own heart with Votan. He has two land fortresses. They both got rail cannons. I don't care how bad it is, double land bus all the way. And He's then also first Thunderkin, Thunderkin, yeah. Thunderkin. Yeah, but I can't mine out with beamers like a dummy. So so in first place we have Nassim Fushan, and I looked at this list earlier. He is in fact playing guard. All right, we'll let, we'll let, we'll allow it. Okay, but looking it over, he is very much playing the other variant of the list where it's more about zone denial with a whole bunch of Cadian bodies and having your tank commanders be choice target deleters because he has his two blobs of Castrican. He has a whole bunch of Sentinels, so he can just forward deploy nine, like nine models and just go, you can't walk here. And then three mortar squads, a total of three tanks. Two of them are normal Lehman Russes. One is a tank commander. And then a Chimera to transport something. And then he has Stupid Guy on a horse. Hmm. Stupid Guy on a horse is still pretty damn annoying. Yeah. And he has the command squad and a a Death Corpse Marshal. So 35-point character probably stands on a button. But yeah, no, otherwise, these are... I think both variants of Guard got shown at the singles event over the weekend, where it's either a whole bunch of tanks or a whole bunch of troops. Right. So one of the biggest questions that always shows up at Adepticon is uh, what's the terrain like? They've had uh, quite a checkered history when it comes to that. I've been searching furiously for pictures of actual game tables. I can get a ton of pictures of armies and display boards, but actual gameplay, I've not been able to find anything. I do know so Wargames Live did cover the event. I didn't get a chance to see anything from their older... um, See if I could like like replay an older event. So I'll look at that at a later time. So something we can talk about at a later time. I don't want to uh, criticize and or talk about what they had on the tables without actually seeing it. So yeah, I, that's definitely something that obviously we're a little biased for what the terrain that we have over on I over on our side of the country. And maybe I'll go over to Adepticon next year. Maybe we'll see what happens. And I'll finally get to see what their terrain is like. But so far, I haven't heard good or bad things from it. Because the one bit of the stream that I did catch, it had a lot of... They were doing player place terrain. Oh, interesting. Okay. At least on the War Games lives. And it looked like actual Games Workshop kits. Even more interesting. Okay. So, the reason why I bring this up, if those are not aware, is, you know, this goes back to 4th edition. You know, when the, the the four original pillars, the four original super majors, Adepticon was was the king. I mean, it used to be like LVO didn't exist back then. The Adepticon was the event you went to, and then the other ones were BAO 
and LVO and not LVO, excuse me, uh, Nova and War Games Con. And those were the big four, with pretty much one in each time zone. And as things have progressed, as LVO and uh, Frontline Gaming has exerted a little more of their influence, especially with the ITC, that has become more of that is what competitive uh, gaming should be. Likewise, on the Nova front, they have their terrain set up. They grew and Battle Salvation and a few other tournaments along the East Coast started adopting the Nova format. Adepticon, unapologetically, has always been, we do it our way and deal with it. And really don't care how much you charge for coaching services. You can buy a ticket and play or you can shut the hell up. And it was, some people took it as that's ballsy and other people took it as ignorant. I think if you fast forward to where we are today and with Games Workshop being more involved, Adepticon probably is the most Games Workshop style event that we have in the United States. If you compare it to any other Warhammer uh, event that they have in Nottingham. So maybe the other events got it wrong. But uh, long and short of it is terrain has always been a question mark from the competitive standpoint. So I'll be curious to see what they did this year. Yeah, like I'm actually looking on their website right now to mm-hmm. see if I could find any kind of terrain photos and everything else. I'm definitely seeing a lot of here we go photo gallery. Yeah, some of the just some of these display boards are utterly nuts. Yep, there's Games Workshop terrain, um, Star Wars stuff. Yeah, they actually don't have a lot of photos of their actual terrain. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. Uh, one other thing I'll throw out there as we're kind of the show's getting a little long here, but um, one of the things that makes Adepticon also one of the biggest events is not just a 40k event. There are plenty of other uh, Games Workshop products, but also other games companies there. And one thing I thought was brilliant was the Atomic uh, Mass the guys who make Star Wars and MCP. They did a very interesting marketing campaign through social media. They must have, I lost count over 300 posts of people was playing the game. Wow. Yeah. It was whereas Game Shark Shop's all about look at us, big review, big cinematics, and then the event. So, you know, the event was the 10th edition launch. Whereas they went with, check out this game. and they, it, But they had all the new models, for example. There's all the new stuff for Shatterpoint and a couple of new models. that They're they're on the tables and people are playing with them. It was a very counter uh, method of way of going against what Games Workshop was doing. And I had to say it was pretty effective. Because I kept looking and like, oh, that's what the new model looks like. I'm probably not going to pick it up anytime soon, but now I'm interested. Yeah, that's actually something that pulling from um card games that i play off of the show the they do a oh the cards are released a week before in like a little sneak preview event where you're supposed to do like draft pulls and everything else and you get maybe lucky they're legal for that event but they're not legal to use until the next week kind of like codex releases for 40k but as soon as you hit that week mark oh everything that you bought last week is totally legal problems with the secondary secondary market but they don't socialize they don't visualize it that way hmm. so it's usually a, you have to be on top of your schedule in order to make sure you get your stuff so i'm actually really happy that um amg did social media kind of ad- social media stuff to get their games seen by everyone yeah that's pretty cool yeah Vent- new ventress new darth maul no sakatano <clears throat> i was like wow this is kind of cool mm-hmm. watch games workshop's gonna start doing that with 
their models and the heavy metal team is going to have to paint their butts off like two months beforehand. <laughs> well, a little behind the scenes, if it's happening in America, it's probably the American event team that's painting those. That's so, but anyway, you didn't hear that from me. Which, in that case, hypothetically, they have a week to paint it. <laughs> that would be a pretty good estimate there. Anyway, uh, anything else that we saw over the weekend you wanted to touch base on? Um, for me, no, not really, because I was busy with other things during Adepticon weekend, and I was, I honestly had written it off. I was like, okay, Adepticon's going on. We'll talk about it later. And I can ooh and awe over the pretty display boards. Like, I saw a really cool Grey Knight one that had a light-up chaos sign in the base of it. Bro. <laughs> so jealous. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. Uh, yeah, to sit through it and really kind of take a look at what... what It's just almost too much at this point to kind of take time to look at it. But um, I'm, yeah, excited for whatever new new updates we get. Any, any drips of information about 10th edition... I'm surprised they didn't call it Warhammer X, but anyway. Um, <laughs> that would symbolize, hey, what year are we playing in? Exactly. But um, yeah, it was, it's it's exciting. I, like I said, I, I'm glad to be wrong that I didn't think they were going to announce it this week. But there it is. Yep, we'll probably see the first blurb of rules, if not this week, sometime next week. I'd be surprised if we didn't. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we will have any more updates. Uh, we will continue, uh, bring those up as we each week keep you guys up to date. We're also going to go over the Manchester GT. We're going to do that next week. Uh, kind of want to focus on Adepticon this week, but some big changes there. We want to see if that's just a fluke for that particular event, or is this the coming of the Nerf Gun Marine meta that everybody's been warning us about? So I'm going to say nerf gun marines for four months then they get hit and they're just like plasma interceptors where they're crazy and then they're not so crazy anymore <laughs> so i'm curious if there's enough time for them to get under the um the balanced data slate it's supposed to come out any any time now possibly mm-hmm. the last one for no not possibly most likely the last one for ninth edition most likely i can't imagine doing a balanced data slate um, first week of June, and then have three weeks later the new edition come out. <laughs> Just watch. They go, uh, we got like three months left. No data slate at all. Have fun, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> no, holds, no holds part. Oh, man, I'd be so mad. I almost wouldn't be surprised, though. Neither would I, but oh, man, I'd be mad. Like, God dang it, I'm playing Knights. I'm playing Chaos Knights this season. Now I want to go back to Custodes because I can go back and transhuman and no re-rolls my bikes again. <laughs> No. 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 But yeah, no. Otherwise, we'll definitely keep all y'all posted about what we see as the weeks come along. And as I hurriedly paint three more War Dogs for a tournament this weekend. Oh my god, there's a tournament this weekend? I totally forgot about that. Uh, It's just a local one on Saturday. Ah, Oh, that's right. It is. Okay. I need to get painting. All right, that's enough of this. We're gonna we're gonna talk after the recording about that. <laughs> In that case, my name's Eric. I'm Raymond. Robert's there somewhere. <laughs> oh, no! I totally lost what you guys were saying. I was like, oh no! I said my blurb. We're good. We're good. No, we're not good. Oh, anyway, true. thanks for listening no. to the Starbucks podcast. We've got a tournament to get ready for. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>